celebrating together here at Las Vegas. This is the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We're taking the green flag for another episode. On this week's ep, we've got disaster in the desert. Yes, we will recap a rough weekend that we had last week in Las Vegas during that race. We'll talk about what went down there. Then, Talladega 2, the comeback. We're going to come back strong this week. That's going to be what most of the episode is focused on, talking about the bets for Talladega this weekend. It's one of the most fun races you could possibly bet on. So if you're not somebody who typically bets, well, tune in to this episode because it's going to be good. And then we're going to talk about the new schedule. That's right, NASCAR released their 2021 schedule, and we're going to look at it from the gambler's point of view. And, well, they're kind of screwing us, so we're going to talk about that. A little bit, but that'll be at the end. So, let's start with Las Vegas. It was tough. Kurt Busch comes out victorious. Now, we did not have Kurt Busch in his long odds to win the race. That's the kind of thing that really grinds my gears. I mean, we missed it on Kurt there. He did have some decent stats there. We just didn't call him out. And if you did hit on Kurt, you were looking at a pretty good value there. I think he was well over plus 2,000 to win that race. I mean, he's never won in Vegas before, so it was kind of tough to pinpoint him, but not happy. I thought we made some really good picks last week, and they really let us down. I mean, Logano continues to kill us in the the money line bets to win the race, and Kozlowski really didn't do us for it either, so it just really lets me down when we see those picks up front towards the beginning of the race and then just fade. Uh, On top of that, We've been really good with these top 10 picks, and those guys killed us last week as well. So really, all in all, not a good race. Now, the one positive thing was we went 3-1 and in the head-to-head section, so that's good. I mean, we're trying to get better there, and also we crushed our daily fantasy picks. You can find those at Full Tank Phil on Instagram as the race day comes up. But in any case, it still leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, it reminds me of the last time I was in Vegas. I literally lost my shirt. I mean, the, the hotels overcharge us for a ton of different things. And we won some money in a parlay, went to a cabana. It was a bachelor party. Literally got robbed by someone at the pool party facility. And they took my bag with all my money and my shirt. So I was leaving Las Vegas pretty pissed off if you can imagine. And just like right now, we're leaving Las Vegas on the the schedule here, pretty pissed off. But in any case, I mean, was it a good race? That was my first question because I typically am skewed depending on how we do on our bets. 66% of people on the Jeff Gluck poll said it was a good race. That really, it's, it's a lower half of the year. When you're looking at all the races throughout this year, it's the, the bottom half. So not a ton of people think that last week was a great race and it was tough i mean for me i'm pretty unhappy with it but you know i i was talking last week about how i was excited to go back to a mile and a half and then about you know a stage and a half in i was like oh boy you know give me give me something good but we will put that behind us that's what we're trying to do right now and we're looking ahead this is the second talladega race of the year so it's talladega 2 baby if this is a movie it's Talladega 2, The Comeback, is how I'm billing this weekend, this episode. We're going to come back really strong because when we talk about a a good race, this is what we're looking for. Jeff Gluck's poll has Talladega as the second highest rated race so far this year, so you can expect a show this coming weekend. I mean, to me, I think this is just better than playing the lottery. The, The odds are phenomenal for you as the gambler. Everything is spiked up, 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 up. You got to love that. So before we get into the strategies and a little bit more about the odds, we always have to take a look at the Sean Boy track stats. So the track stats presented by Sean Boy, if you're somebody who is just drowning in numbers, you need help 
with your Excel spreadsheets, with your analytics, Sean Boy is the one to call. He will bail you out. He'll throw you that life preserver and help you out. I've seen one instance of this recently where he took somebody's mess and put together this whole advanced analytics section of their spreadsheet. Phenomenal stuff. Give Sean Boy a call if you're in that case. Sean Boy, he's our boy. Looking at the track stats here, they've been to this racetrack 102 times. Really good sample size. Really good. So starting on the pole, the winner has started there 13 times in the history, and the last time it happened was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 2017. So we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Starting in the top five, the winner has started there 54% of the time, and starting in the top 10, they've started there 71% of the time. So pretty actually interesting. I think we said this about Daytona as well. I mean, you think about these big-ass tracks and the fact that anybody has the chance to win, but when you look at those percentages, I mean, it really is the guys who are starting up front there in the end. Starting outside of the top 20, it's only happened 8% of the time here. That's eight times, essentially, and Hamlin was the last person to do that in 2014. He started 34th in that race which is something you would expect to see. I mean, these guys, maybe they're just dropping back and they're hanging back more at the super speedway racetracks. But for any case, I mean, we got to keep our eyes on who you're betting on because the stats would tell you you don't want to take somebody really starting outside the top 20. And I'm not taking anyone to win the race outside of the top 20 this week. So we'll uh, keep our eyes on that. And if you're someone putting in, you know, the big bets, trying to take the long shots, that's fine. You're going to pay for it a little bit, according to the history. So the other thing we're going to call out, at Talladega, Toyota has really struggled, which surprises me because it's kind of different from Daytona. I mean, you think of Daytona, you think of Denny Hamlin to start, and uh, Martin Truex a little bit. I mean, those two battling for the closest finish there. It just doesn't really make sense, but that's what it is. I mean, that's what those stats tell you. You know who dominates? Ford does. They've won 11 of the last 13 races, Chevy with the two in between. The last time Toyota won a race was that Hamlin win back in 2014, where he started 34th. So really uh, interesting stuff there, and it's something you're going to want to consider. So because of that, I'm going to avoid taking a Toyota driver to win this weekend at Talladega. It's just that's using the stats to make educated decisions as you move forward. So good stuff there from the track stats. I mean, the strategy when you're looking at this, to me, it's anybody works, right? So we're looking at the favorite, the money line favorite, according to the books here early in the week, plus 1,000. It's three guys tied at the top of that list. Plus 1,000 is your favorite. So that is just great stuff for you as the gambler. It's it's awesome. You don't see that at any other racetrack outside of Daytona. So what that means to you is if you're taking your set amount of money that you're going to spend during a race weekend in any type of bet, what it allows you to do and what I like to do is spread my money around because Unlike these racetracks where you're getting, you know, Kevin Harvick plus 275 to win the race, where you're going to have to spend more money on him to make it worth your while, this is the opposite, right? So if you're used to spending $10 on a guy to win the race on the money line to try to cash in on a, you know, a ticket like that, this case, you could break that money up and bet on two different guys for $5 a piece because the value is there. You're going to cash in and... You know, when you look at some of the guys down the list, I mean, there there's some big names with some long odds this weekend. So it makes it great. And we're going to talk about Moneyline first, but then once we get into the top 10 section, that's where you can really spread your money around, which is even better. So head-to-heads, we have uh, something we're going to call out there as well. But point being, strategy this weekend, spread your money around. So looking at you know, some of the, the picks here, I mean, some of the things to call out. Blaney has gone back to back. Can he do it a third time? I'm going to say no. I think if he was in the playoffs, I'd be all over Blaney this weekend. But because he, you know, is out of the playoffs, he's kind of been a little bit silent. Tried to make a push there at Las Vegas at the end, but really fell short. I'm going to say that he's not going to go back to back to back at Talladega just because that would be astronomical odds for that to happen. So 
I'm going to say no. There is one stat that I'm going to tease you with that we're going to get to in the prop section that we're really going to hit on that Blaney is involved with. So we're going to avoid Blaney. He's going off as one of the favorites plus 1,000 along along with a couple other guys. So uh, avoid Blaney for the money line. But who are we talking about for the money line picks? Let's get right into them. We've got three of them that we are going to call out. And I'm going to start with the 10 car. Eric Almarola. How many times have we called out him to win the race so far this year? Maybe a few times early, but not a lot recently. We love him for top 10s, and he's actually going off at plus 100 to finish in the top 10, but his odds to win this race are plus 1,400. Love that. So he's a playoff driver, and he needs a little bit of help to make it into the next round. Does that sound familiar? It should, because it was last week, Kurt Busch needed a lot of help to make it into the next round, and he went out and scored a victory. Well, if anybody can win at this racetrack, why don't we jump on the Eric Almarola 10 train? In his last 10 races at Talladega, one win, five top fives, eight top tens. He's led 32 laps to boot. Those are solid numbers for someone going off at plus 1,400. Now, average finish, all time for his career, it's 14.8, which is good enough. These numbers are a little higher, right? Because Talladega is just a complete wildcard track. So 14.8 is actually the fourth best average finish for a career on the circuit. But if we just look at the last 10 races for Amarola, it drops down to 8.4. It gets so much better. And that's first on the circuit. So we're saying that Eric Almarola has the best average finish in the last 10 races here, and he's going off at plus 1,400. That's great stuff. That's what we want to see. Now, the one caveat to that stat is that John Hunter Nemechek finished eighth earlier this year in the 2020 spring race. So he kind of jumps ahead of everyone. But we're throwing that stat out because in my world, you need at least three races to kind of qualify for that top 10 list. So just throwing an asterisk next to his name there. If you want to you know, bet on him, we're not going to talk about him elsewhere on this podcast for anything else, but something to consider for you maybe if you think you can back that up. So we're saying Almarola has the, the best average finish. Now, he has the most lead lap finishes out of everybody on the circuit, which is nine times out of the last 10 races he has finished on the lead lap, which think about it. I mean, that's a hard thing to do at a racetrack like this because there are so many wrecks typically. So good stuff out of that. And he hasn't missed a top five since 2016. He's just on fire recently. Five races in the 10 car, His basically his last five races, his average finish is 4.8. So it just keeps getting better. That includes a victory. So he knows it. He has the confidence at this racetrack. I really like it. He just does well on big tracks. 2020, earlier this year at Talladega, he finished third. We know that he has had some success at Daytona in the past. So really good stuff here out of this 10 car. If you're looking for a different name, which is what we're trying to do at a racetrack like this, everything points to Eric Almarola on this one. All right. I'm definitely calling him out in a fantasy daily fantasy pick um, on DraftKings or however you play. So keep your eyes peeled on this 10 car. I really like them. Plus 1,400. Great odds. Now we'll move forward to more of a bigger name, Chase Elliott. He's going off as a co-favorite right now, plus 1,000 to finish in the top 10. He's finishing, sorry, he's going off at minus 129, which is still a pretty good value there. But let's look at Chase's numbers here because he's a bit up and down in his nine career races here. One win, three top fives, four top tens. Now, just hearing those stats alone, I'm in. You know what I mean? I mean, those are pretty good numbers here for someone that's only been here nine times. I mean, he has a win, knows what he's doing. The thing is, when you look a bit further into his numbers, it does make it a little bit sketchy. Kind of doesn't really make sense that he's going off as a, a co-favorite. Three times in his nine races here, he's finished outside of the top 30. So those are, you know, pretty tough to swallow, and those are going to impact his overall stats. His average finish is 16.0. Again, you hear that number and you think that it's pretty high, but surprisingly, that actually is ninth on the circuit in the last 10 races here. So he is someone that's up there. He can get it done. His drive rating. Now, this is the thing that really tells the story. 
His average finish, like we said, 16.0, but his driver rating is fourth out of everybody that's active this weekend, 90.3. So what that tells you is he's been up front. He's just not getting the finishes uh, race in and race out that you may want if you're a driver or if you're a fan of that driver. So he knows what he's doing. We're going to talk about him next weekend for sure because we're going to the Roval where he dominates. So you could make a case that he's a road course guy, but I would say that he's turning into a super speedway guy. I mean, I made the case this season, the last episode we had about Daytona, saying stay away from Chase. Well, he went out and proved me wrong and finished second in that summer race at Daytona. At Talladega, he clearly has the stats, so I think it makes sense to place a bet on him. Plus 1,000, I mean, going off as a co-favorite, that... You know, I don't really know if that jives, but the value, no matter what, plus 1,000, really good stuff. So I'm going to put my money down on him. And he finished 38th in the spring. All right. The last time he finished outside the 30th, he had a victory. So if he's going to back that up, I like it. All right. He's led laps in six of the nine races and including three straight times. He's out front leading laps. So that's what I want to see when I'm betting on guys at these big racetracks, I want them out front. I don't like the guys that hang in the back and kind of wait to avoid the wrecks. Maybe that's smarter, but I like the guys who are out leading laps, fresh air into the car, not behind anybody else. So those are the guys that I want. Looking at the other favorites, it's either Blaney, who we talked about. I don't think he's going to go back to back to back. And then Hamlin, which I am avoiding the Toyota drivers in this case. We're going to talk about how we're going to throw some action on him in a bit. So if you're not taking those two and you want a favorite, I mean, Chase seems like the logical option, kind of process by elimination there. So mark it down, plus 1,000 for nine car, Chase Elliott. Now, if you want a real long shot, right, because that's the fun of this type of racetrack is you're going after guys who are just way outside of the normal realm of who you would pick to win the race on the money line. So to kind of play into that, I'll choose an absolute long shot here, and I'm skimming down the list, looking at the odds, and one name did jump out to me that I found kind of further down than I thought I would, and it was Eric Jones. All right, now you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Take this with a pinch of salt. Plus 4,000 is his odds to win that race, and to finish in the top 10, plus 215. So long shot to win the race. Top 10 doesn't seem like too crazy of a thing. Now, I'm trying to pick someone like out of out of the ordinary here, and that is what happened at Daytona. I mean, Byron, I would say, was a bit of a, a weird winner. So I'm kind of hoping that something similar happens here. So how did I land on Eric Jones? Well, looking at his stats, he's been here seven times. He's crashed four times. But, you know, if you look at the, the positives... He's got one top five and two top tens. So if he can avoid those wrecks, he's doing well. And he finished fifth here in the spring. He's won at Daytona in the summertime. So it's really looking around at the other guys in these long odds in that list and trying to identify, okay, who's someone that you could actually see in victory lane? Eric Jones is someone that I could see in victory lane. He's fighting for a job. He's trying to land another ride. All right, he's someone that stands out to me as he can win a race, and if he can just avoid the wrecks, that's someone that you know could be a, a big time. So I guess I, I kind of went against what I was saying with the the manufacturer, Toyota. Uh, he is running Toyota. I forgot about that when I was mentioning that before, but I think the value here draws my attention more so than the manufacturer. So the 20 car last time around for him at Daytona or sorry at Talladega in the 20 car. Eric Jones plus 4,000. So just to recap, Eric Almirola in the 10 plus 1,400. Chase Elliott in the 9 car plus 1,000. And Jones in the 20 car plus 4,000. Mark it down. Let's go. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. We're going to move into the prop section now, and I think this is where you could really have some fun this weekend at Talladega because if you're spreading your money around, there's a lot of good odds out here in top tens and some of the the true props. So we're going to talk about top tens, but the reason I'm so excited for these top tens is that you can find, a lot of times when I'm doing the top tens, 
we're going to get to it next week and definitely the third round of the playoffs where you're scrolling down the list looking for guys who are, you know, positive money, plus 110, plus 200. And those guys, you know, they're more of a long shot. But these this weekend, you've got some big names that are going off at some really good odds. So people like Kyle Busch, he's plus 100 to finish in the top 10. Even the favorites, like I called out Chase Elliott, he's minus 129. We're pretty comfortable with that normally, week in and week out. So you can really spread your money out and have some fun in this section, betting on a lot of the big name guys. What we're going to do in this section, we're going to call out a few guys who you might not necessarily think of on a normal week, trying to get some of their name out there here because I think there's some value because they might not be as big as some of these other guys. So let's get right down to it. I feel like the first one, I mean, he's kind of a layup. Ricky Stenthouse Jr. He's the super speedway guy. That's really who a lot of people think of right off the bat. Now, as I'm going through these track stats earlier, his name jumps out to you right off the bat. I mean, he won here last time on the pole. So Ricky... When you think of, okay, from the whole season's perspective, super speedways, those four races are where Ricky Stenhouse has a real shot to win the race. He's only done it a few times, but he's always up there and he's always a factor in the race. Whether it's for good or for bad, Ricky Stenhouse, he will have his name said on the broadcast for sure. Well, his odds to finish in the top 10 plus 120. I don't mind that. Now, a hater of Ricky Stenhouse might say, well, that's because he just, you know, goes balls to the walls and he's uh, an asshole and would wreck people and he'll be the cause of the big one, which would score him most likely outside of the top 10. And to that, I would say maybe, but looking at his stats, I mean, let's just take a peek here. One win, five top fives, seven top tens in his last 10 races at this racetrack. He has the second most top tens out of everybody running. So, pretty solid. Even if you're a Ricky hater, I mean, that's not bad. In the springtime, he finished second. So really good. And he has four of the last five races finished in the top 10. All good stuff. And that's, I mean, I don't care what the name is. You hear those stats, you're really interested. Then you see that the number, the odds plus 120, I'm in. It's tough to hold me back from betting on somebody like that. His driver rating, seventh out of everyone, 86.2. Not bad. And his average finish, 10.1 in the last 10 races. That's good enough for second on the circuit. So we just need him to finish in the top 10. His average finish is 10.1. Great stuff. Great stuff. So mark me down. Good value for the 47 car, Ricky Stenhouse. You got to love that. Now we're going to shoot way outside the box. I'm talking way out there. Long shot, but I love it. Plus 350 for our boy, Ty Dillon. That's right. He's been here seven times. He has one top 10 finish. So immediately you're probably like, Phil, you're nuts. That's not going to work. But his average finish is 13.3, which is actually good enough for sixth on the race circuit. So not bad when you consider the full scheme of things. Now, that one top 10 finish, it happened last year. So, of his last two races, he finished 12th in the spring and 10th last time in the fall. So, he's always right around that top 10 mark. I know he's only done it once in seven starts, which seems like not a lot. But his finishes, I mean, you look at him from top to bottom. He's not finishing outside the top 20. He, he's really close, 11th and 12th, looking at the list. So, I think... This is a good value pick. It's really the plus 350 that gets my attention here because this is someone that needs a job, a lot like Eric Jones. He's out next year. The 13 car is done. So he's trying to almost be a, a mini Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and say like, hey, I'm someone that does well on these big tracks. Sign me. You know what I mean? So Ty Dillon, plus 350, mark it down to finish in the top 10. I think it's a long shot, but I also think there's value to it and, and reason to it. It's not just a, a total pull something from thin air. I think that he is someone that could surprise you. He could be a wonky name when this smoke settles here on Sunday. Now, the last name that I'm going to call out, and I did actually mention you know, the, the top 10 stats for the guys we called out on the money line. I really like Al Eric Almirola to finish in the top 10. I'm definitely putting that bet in. Eric Jones, plus 215 to finish in the top 10. Yes, for sure. 
So I got a lot of top 10 picks, but the last one that I'm calling out specifically here, Alex Bowman, plus 110. Now he's going off at plus 1600 to win the race, but I'm just looking for him to finish in the top 10. So looking at his career, seven starts here at Talladega, one top five, three top tens. So three of seven, not too shabby. His average finish though, 22.3, little bit out there, a little bit too risky maybe for some, but not for me because he's got a back and forth pattern here. And I think it's going to break this weekend. A lot of times when I'm doing these numbers, I'm seeing a pattern and I bet on someone because, you know, this is the way the pattern's going to go. And it doesn't really work for me. It's backfired more recently in these last few weeks. So Bowman's pattern is he's back and forth, a, a top 10 and then outside the top 10. Well, he finished seventh in the spring. So I'm saying he's going to break that pattern. He's going to finish again in the top 10. He's a playoff driver. So he needs a good finish. He could be, you know, we talk about having a wonky winner. He's someone that would kind of surprise you and be some good value to win the race. I just need top 10 finish out of this 88 car. So I think he's somebody that could do it. He's a Chevy car, got that Hendrick power. I'm a fan. So plus 110 for that 88 machine. So that's the, the list of the top 10s. Just to recap, Dylan plus 350, Stenhouse plus 120, and that Bowman plus 110. Now let's get to some of the, the true props, all right? I teased something at the beginning of the podcast that I'm going to hit on here. It's the team pick. What team is going to win the race this weekend? And there's a team that jumps off the page sheet if you even look briefly at the page, and it's Team Penske plus 350 to win the race with those three drivers. And you say to yourself, okay, you know, that's because of Blaney, right? I mean, Blaney's on fire here, back-to-back wins. It's not just because of Blaney. Team Penske as a whole has won seven of the last 10 races here. That's absurd. I mean, for most of it, they were a a two-car team. So Blaney's only been a part of this group officially driving that 12 car for the last couple of years here. So for a chunk of those 10 races, it was a two car shop and they've got seven of the last 10 races. So Blaney has two, Brad has two wins and Logano has three. So I just think that stat is too crazy and I just feel silly to not bet on it. You know, there are some other teams that have some good value and and Penske is definitely going off as the, the shortest odds compared to these other uh, man, uh, these other teams, rather. But I still like it. I mean, I part of me wanted to bet on Magana to win the race. Part of me wanted to bet on Blaney to win the race. I just said, you know what, I'm going to bunch them all together and take this plus 350 for maybe a, a larger sum of money and, you know, really cash in if one of these guys does it again. So I love that stat, and I love the pick, honestly. I mean, it's, it's educated, so... I'm going with it. Penske plus 350, lock it in. The next bet is top car per manufacturer. So I'm going to focus on the the group that stinks at this racetrack recently, and that's Toyota. I mean, I said they haven't won in forever here. I think 13 races or so. So who are we going to take? It's the smallest group out of everyone, and so that makes it a little bit more easy to narrow in on someone. So I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin here. He's the favorite, but he's going off at plus 175. So all he has to do is beat basically his teammates and and Christopher Bell. If he can do that, you're going to cash in on that plus 175 number. I just think out of everyone in Toyota's camp, he's got clearly head and shoulders the best numbers at this racetrack. His average finish is eighth out of everyone. His drive rating is 10th out of everyone. You're not going to see anyone in the Toyota camp with numbers that are better than that. So because of that, even though he's the favorite, I still think he's got that history here to make it worth it. So maybe throw a few extra bucks than you normally would and really cash in. So I needed to take something on Hamlin because you can't discredit him altogether and just because he's driving a Toyota at a, a place that's been kind of weak here for them. So mark me down. Top car per manufacturer, Denny Hamlin to beat everyone in a Toyota car. Then the last thing, I'm going to kind of stick with them a little bit. I'm going to go to top driver in a group. So this is where the sports books group together four guys and give you odds on 
who would win that group. And I'm kind of sticking with the Toyota camp here, despite how much shit I've been talking on them. The group is Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex Jr., plus 225, Bubba Wallace, plus 250, and Chris Buescher, plus 275. Truex has not been good here, but I find it hard to resist taking him at plus 225 to win this group, all right? I, at first, was like, you know what? Bubba Wallace seems like someone that I could jump on here because he must have some good stats. He really doesn't. No one of this group has great stats, except for maybe Jimmy Johnson. I mean, his career, he's been pretty good here. He's got, you know, the sixth best driver rating out of everyone. So solid number there. But outside of that, I mean, Johnson lately hasn't been phenomenal. So then you look at Chris Buescher. He doesn't even have any top tens. Bubba Wallace, also not great. So to me, this comes down to here's a big name playoff driver facing off a bunch of against a bunch of guys that really have nothing to, to shoot for here. I mean, Bubba just locked up a contract. Chris Buescher's pretty comfortable. I mean, Chris, probably someone that is feeling like they can finish in the top 10 this week, but I, I still like Truex just because of his situation going on with the playoffs still, you know, hunting down that win. Mark me down for that 19 car to win this group at plus 225. And that's going to wrap up the props section of this week's podcast. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! Now we will move over to the head-to-head section where we did a little bit better last week. Now, if you wanted to fade me because I was kind of weak last week or so on some of these other picks, I wouldn't be, you know, offended by that. But we're getting pretty good here at these head-to-heads. I mean, we went 3-1, and one, so... We're trying to build off of that momentum. If you're placing those bets individually, you're making money there. So still looking for that elusive 4-0 week. This could be the week. I don't know. It's really tough to do at Talladega because of all the chaos. But that brings me to one of my points that I wanted to make about just the fun of betting on Talladega. Because in the head-to-head area of the sports books, you have the ability to just go nuts and put together a parlay that gives you astronomical odds. So, for example, the the head-to-head matchups came out pretty early this week. I was really happy about it. Had some time to kind of prepare, then uh, more time than the past few weeks. So, right now on most sportsbook apps, there are ten head-to-head matchups out there, and there's no overlapping names because you can't take you know Kyle Busch to beat Denny Hamlin and then take you know Truex to beat Kyle. And include those in the same parlay. So you need all different drivers in order to make it parlays. And this week, right now, there's 10 options available and they're all different drivers. Which means that you can just go nuts picking random people. And for the most part, they're all close to even odds. So I just went down the list, randomly picking names, and put all 10 matchups into a parlay. You could throw that together yourself put $10 on it, and win over $5,000. I mean, that's like a, an educated lottery pick, right? It, it's You have a better chance of winning that than, than hitting a, a scratch-off. So to me, this is a no-brainer. I, you know, I'm going to call out four guys that I like in a head-to-head matchup, but I really like putting together those monster parlays. I mean, you could do it a bunch of different times. You know what I mean? If you're putting a, a smaller amount of money on each of it and you know, really just have some fun with it. So because it's Talladega and those odds are even and there are a lot of matchups that they can give you, it just makes it, you know, even more fun. So give that a look. Give that a try. Plug and play with that because I think uh, even though it's very unlikely you'll hit, it still is something fun to mess around with. So with that being said, let's get to the the head-to-head picks that we're calling out this week and we're going to work our way up. We're going to start with the trash can matchup of the week. That's right. These guys, I mean, you got to love them for their, their their big names, but they're trash this season. And the sports books have kind of jumped off of them the past few weeks, but they're gracing us with their presence this week again. Ryan Newman versus Matt Kenseth. These guys are just on the struggle bus this year. So we have not seen it a few weeks. I got to jump on at a racetrack like this because it'll be fun to see. And... Looking at the breakdown here, it really 
makes sense to take one guy or the other, and that guy is Ryan Newman. All right, so his stats here in the last 10 races, doesn't have a win, two top fives, four top tens. That's not too bad, right? Average finish, 14.8. That's good enough for seventh out of everyone. Last year, in 2019, two races at Talladega, he finished second and seventh. One DNF in 10 races here. Not too shabby. So that, to me, stands out. Now, when you look at Matt Kenseth, he's been here six times in the last, like, 10 races compared to, like, Newman's last 10. Kenseth had some time off, so he's been here six times during that same time frame. No top 10s. Average finish of 25.8. Finished dead last in the spring of 2020. Out of six races, two of them are DNFs. Driver rating for his career is pretty solid here. He's actually eighth out of everyone. But overall, though, in the last six races, he's just been not good. So when you look at those stats, you say to yourself, you know, it's got to be Newman. Then head-to-head in those six races, Newman has a 4-2 lead, a 4-2 record. So, again, you got to go with Newman here. The, the funny thing is these guys have just struggled so far this year. So when you're looking at these stats week in and week out when it comes to Kenseth and especially Newman – they get your attention, but I've learned probably a few months back that I just they're kind of like no bets to me anymore when you're looking at them to finish in the top 10 or even win the race. Even if their stats are screaming at you, I've, I've learned to back off. But this head-to-head matchup is too intriguing for me, so I'm going to go with Newman here. The, the funny thing is they're 13-13 and 13 against each other this season, so trash just loves itself, right? So I think Newman's going to break that tie. He's going to take the lead on the season series and uh, beat Kenseth this weekend. I just think Kenseth is is kind of done. You know, he's already said he's out of the 42. We got Chastain taking that over. He's just collecting a paycheck at this point. Newman, his career's still going. I mean, he's trying to rebound. I, I think their goal is to just do something positive to end the year. So why not start with beating the shit? out of Matt Kenseth this weekend at Talladega. Mark me down for the six car, Ryan Newman. Now we'll move up a little bit in as far as the, the tier of driver, and we're going to move to Matt DiBenedetto versus Austin Dillon. They're both going off at minus 115 as well. So both of these guys, they come to my mind when we talk about super speedway races and, you know, Talladega, but I don't know if that's for any good reason. So I needed to look a little bit further into their stats before I could, you know, really make a pick. Because a lot of times I, I see the matchup and I say, okay, this is the guy I want to go with. Let me find out why. In this one, I didn't have a, a guy I was leaning towards. So I wanted the stats to kind of pull me in one direction. So Matt Benedetto, he surprises me with his stats at Talladega. I think he might just be a guy who is up front and competing, but gets caught up in a lot of the big ones. And because I remember him fighting for, you know, good finishes in the past at Talladega, but his average finish is 28.8, zero top 10 finishes in the last 10 races. That is not good. So then I was like, all right, well, maybe the driver rating tells a different story, right? Because the average finish isn't everything. Well, his driver rating, 32nd out of everyone going off this weekend. That is ugly. I mean, that's one of the worst I've really ever seen of somebody that's available to bet on in a head-to-head matchup. So really dismal. And then this past spring, you, you think to yourself, okay, well now he's in better equipment, right? 26th in the springtime in the 21 car. So I'm going to avoid Matt Benedetto. He's got a little bit of momentum because he, he did well last week at Las Vegas, but I, I think Talladega is a different beast. Everyone would agree with that. So then you you know, my initial thought was like, got to avoid him. How does Austin Dillon look? Well, he's still fighting in the playoffs. And in his last 10 races here, one top five, three top tens, not too shabby. Average finish, 20.2. That's eight points better than DiBenedetto. And his driver rating is 22nd. Not great, but much, much better than Matty D there. So, I mean, the numbers just point you to the three car. So then I wanted to see, okay, let me just double check. I mean, I think I'm leaning towards Dylan, but at Talladega, how are they? Dylan has a 7-3 record against Matt DiBenedetto in that time frame. And this season, it's pretty close, 
15 to 14 is the record head to head, but Austin has that too. So because of the stats, because of the history, because of the fact that he's still in the playoffs, I'm going to go with the three car and Austin Dillon to beat Matt DiBenedetto this weekend, minus 115. I think it just makes sense. So that's who I'm going with in that matchup. Now we're going to move to some of the bigger names. All right, we're going to go with Kevin Harvick going off as the underdog, minus 106 to Brad Kozlowski, minus 125. This is a Ford versus a Ford matchup, so you got to love that. The, the manufacturer that really does well here. So uh, Brad being the favorite kind of stood out to me. It made me question, like, that's pretty rare to see. Why is that? Well, he's 6-4 and four against Harvick in the last 10 races at Talladega, so that was a little interesting. Looking at the last 10 races, Brad... Two wins, three top fives, four top tens. His average finish, 16.8. That's good enough for 10th out of everyone. Driver rating, fifth on the circuit, with the number being 98, sorry, 95.8. So pretty good driver rating as well. I mean, we talked about why we like Team Penske. This is why. I mean, he's got the stats here, and he's second in laps led, 248 laps led. So yeah, Kozlowski's got the the resume here. So then you look at Harvick. Last 10 races, no wins, one top five, three top tens. He's big time struggling recently, though. He finished 10th in the spring, but three races before that, he was well outside the top 10. His average finish, 17.7. Drive rating is 13th out of everyone. I mean, I'm looking at those stats and I'm thinking to myself, everything is telling me to take Brad here, but you have to think about 2020. I mean, Harvick has been just so good this season, and it really seems like no matter what stats you throw out there, Harvick's going to break whatever trend you're trying to present or that narrative that you're trying to put out there. Uh, so that is the reason why, even though those stats don't look good, that's a reason to take Harvick if you're a Harvick fan or you want to try to you know, buck the trends. But I am looking at this with the, you know, Sean Boy track stats type of feel to it. And I'm going to go with Brad here, minus 125 over Harvick. I just feel like this is a, a opportunity for Brad to jump back up into that championship hunt. He won the second race of round one. Here's the second race round two. Maybe that two car just loves the second race. Who knows? But I'm going to go with Brad here, minus 125. Now we'll finish it off, and this matchup, Joey Logano versus Denny Hamlin. It's an even matchup, minus 115. Joey just seems like he's getting into a lot of different problems with everyone recently, and Denny is one of them, but he's been into it with Kyle Busch. He was into it with Chase Elliott. I mean, he's just that guy. He's almost turning into like what Kyle used to be, just pissing off everybody, but Let's look at his stats here. I mean, I talked about him, that Penske bet. He is clearly someone who is a force to be reckoned with at Talladega. Three wins, six top fives, six top tens. His average finish is third out of everyone, 10.1. Driver rating is second, 91.1. So really good stuff here for Logano. And it made me kind of rethink this uh, for a second here. I, I mentioned Kozlowski's driver rating was 95.8. That's actually incorrect it is 89.5. I don't know what I was thinking there. So just in case you're keeping track at home, that was a stack correction there. Uh, but Logano, second out of everyone in driver ratings, so that's really good. I mean, he, he has great numbers here. It's well documented. In the last two races, though, he finished outside the top 10, but he is driving a Ford and Hamlin, you know, driving a Toyota kind of makes you think a little bit about that. So we look at Hamlin. I mean, we know he's great on super speedways. Mostly Daytona. I mean, that's where he's had most of his success. In the last 10 here at Dega, no wins, four top fives, five top tens. So pretty solid there. His average finish, 14.9. That's good enough for eighth out of everyone. And his driver rating is 10th, 83.8 is the driver rating there. So, I mean, Hamlin, it, it's, it's whether or not you think that 2020 Hamlin is better than the history of Joey Logano in the 22 head to head at Talladega. Joey Logano is six and four against Denny Hamlin, but in the two most recent races, Denny has a two to nothing record. And in 2020, all right, head to head, this stat was shocking to me. Denny Hamlin 
versus Joey Logano is 20 and 10 in favor of Denny Hamlin. That is a monster stat that I, I just could not wrap my head around. So I really wanted to take Logano in this matchup. I actually wrote him down as my pick. But just talking this out loud, I have to switch my pick. I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. It just, I don't know. I think the 2020 lens of Hamlin really does outdo the the 22 of Logano. So I'm going to take Hamlin over Logano here in this head-to-head matchup, minus 115. I may regret it. I may regret it. This is kind of on a whim, but that's what I'm going with. So lock it in and we have... Hamlin there, just to recap the others, Kozlowski, minus 125, Austin Dillon, minus 115, and Ryan Newman, minus 115. Let's get that 4-0 and record this weekend at a really tough track to do it. So to finish off this week's episode, we're in the Phil's Fired Up section, and what am I fired up about this week? Well, they came out with the 2021 schedule. And for the first time in a really long time, there are massive changes. If you're following the NASCAR news, I'm sure that you've been aware that these types of changes were going to be coming out. And it sort of trickled, you know, throughout the last few weeks that, you know, this track is losing a race or this track would be getting a race. But now the, the full schedule is out and there are things to pick apart from a NASCAR fan perspective, but also from a gambler's perspective. I mean, from a gambler's point of view, they are screwing us over big time here because they're including brand new racetracks. They're going to be really hard to dissect, really hard to look at some stats and, you know, neighboring racetracks that are equal racetracks that might be able to help us pinpoint who the winners are. I mean, they're going to make it really tough next year. So let's just call out a couple of the new tracks. First of all, they're taking on double the amount of road courses that they've had last year. So we still have Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and the Roval, but they added the Circuit of the Americas in Austin. They took away a race. I think we talked about this last week. Took away a race from Texas and uh, gave that to this road course in Austin. And then they are adding, they, they take away the Brickyard 400 and they're adding the Indianapolis road course there. So that is very interesting that they would make that happen. I just, I don't know. That's really going to be tough to not have the Brickyard, but I guess, uh, you know, the the Xfinity race there was a success and people have been getting bored with the Brickyard. So, hey, they're taking a shot. And then the last one is they're adding Road America, which the lower series have gone to before. So that is now on the schedule for July 4th. So that's pretty fitting for the name of that road course. Um, So a lot of road courses. We're going to, I'm pretty happy that I have that spreadsheet sponsored by Sean Boy again that kind of put together to help me dissect this past year, you know, who was good heading into the Daytona road course. Those stats are going to be coming in handy because there's a lot of new road courses that we're going to have to run through next year. It's going to be tough. I mean, Chase Elliott can't win all of them, right? So we got to figure out who else is out there. Now, another major, major change to this schedule is the fact that the first Bristol race will be run on dirt. I mean, that is just wild. Uh, They've been flirting with this conversation for a while on NASCAR radio. I've been listening to fans chime in, whether they like it or they don't. As a NASCAR fan, I'd watch it. I kind of wish that they put, you know, maybe the Xfinity series through that first. Eldora is one of my favorite nights of the year. I, I just love the trucks at Eldora. But at Bristol, a race where, you know, we've seen every year how fast these guys get around that joint. It's going to be a much slower race. So are we going to enjoy it as much? Are they going to do the heat races to get into the main event like they do at Eldora? I hope so. But as a gambler, this is going to be a nightmare. I mean, we're going to have to figure out, do a lot of stat tracking and and research over the offseason, trying to identify just for this race, you know, who came up through the the dirt series, you know, who's good on dirt. I mean, Christopher Bell stands out. If uh, Kyle Larson's back in the picture, he's definitely going to be going off as one of the favorites. And do we see any of the older drivers come back into play? I know Casey Kane, he's a big dirt racer and, and still is right now. He owns his own dirt team. So I don't know, maybe you see some of those other guys try to come in as dirt ringers trying to win that race. You see a little bit about that 
at Eldora. So that's going to be very interesting to see from a fan's perspective. But as a gambler, really going to have to dig deep for that one. It's going to be tough. Um, the doubleheader at Pocono remains intact, so that's nice. We can you know, put together one episode for those two races, so that'll be nice to call out. I liked how things have played out with these doubleheaders and, and the gambling perspective and aspect of that, so really good there. They've added Nashville Super Speedway. That is going to be something that we're going to have to dig into as well, trying to find you know, how that maps to any other tracks or if there's any likeness to any other tracks see what the history there is at that racetrack and is there anything we can pull from the data in the past to try to make a prediction there but that's going to be fun to see i mean i think a lot of people have wanted the nashville market back in play so june 20th is the nashville race so that should be fun Daytona remains intact. I mean, we still got two races there, the Daytona 500 and then the, the last race of the regular season. I'm happy they kept that in there because that made it you know, really fun. The playoffs basically remain intact. I mean, no changes to the playoff. Phoenix still the championship, so all good there. Now, one thing, I mean, there's a couple tracks that lost dates altogether. Kentucky and Chicagoland, we will not be going there next year or maybe ever again. I don't know, but... Definitely not in 2021, and Michigan lost a racetrack, so or lost a race, so that uh, you know clearly went to one of these other new tracks. So if you're a fan of Michigan or you live up in that area, that kind of sucks. But um, I mean, I kind of liked Michigan because the fact that you could really pull a lot of stats together and make some educated picks. But I digress. I mean, we'll we'll deal with that. The real head scratcher for me is Atlanta gets a second race. And I just don't understand why. I mean, why would they have two races? Now, they added a race for Darlington, which, hey, they had three this year, and I think all of them were necessarily pretty good, um, successful. But Atlanta, I mean, you just want to go off of that Jeff Gluck poll that we always talk about. Atlanta currently is the worst race of 2020. So you see that. I mean, somebody at NASCAR has to know that it wasn't a very well-received race. Why give them a second race? That doesn't really make sense to me. I can only imagine that they're trying to just use this as a stopgap before they give another race to another new track. Tracks that have been thrown out there, like Iowa, tracks that might be able to get something together, they could use that Atlanta date down the road for, you know, something new. But, hey, I mean, a lot of uh, history there we could pull from from Atlanta, so it'll help us, but still it doesn't make sense from a NASCAR fan perspective. So a lot of crazy stuff. I like the fact that they are trying new things, but, you know, it'll be tougher next year to – really hit on the money lines to win the race. At least um, it seems that way. When we get into the thick of it, maybe maybe we'll find, you know, some things to pull on. But until then, the 2020 schedule, just crazy, crazy stuff. The NASCAR world kind of flipped on its head right now, especially with that dirt night in Bristol. I, I really tough one uh, to comprehend, but it'll be a challenge. We've got some months to prepare for this 2021 schedule and make sure we really go into these races educated and ready to throw our money down. And I'm sure we'll be ready. Well, that's going to be the checkered flag for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. It's going to be a great race this weekend, so make sure you cash in on all these great odds that you're getting for Talladega. Have some fun, and let's win some money, and get ready for the last race of round two at the Roval next week in Charlotte. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next time. Place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.